till from that lofty height I view my home and take my flight. This robe of flesh I'll drop and I'll rise to seize the everlasting prize. There's coming a day, brothers and sisters, when God is going to call us home. Why? Because he's faithful and he said that he will. There's going to come a time on this earth, Brother Brian mentioned it this morning, when this earth, will it will end. The scripture is very clear on that. And there's going to come a time when we stand before him. When we'll no longer be in these bodies, we're going to be given a new spiritual body. There's coming a time. But until that time, I feel that, that God is He's drawing me back to some very real expectations in my walk that aren't a surety of my salvation. They're help for my walk as we battle every day. And last week we, we listened to a message from Tony Plummer on training unto godliness focused on Scripture. Just being reminded of the necessity of us being in the Word, diligently being in the Word, seeking Him by reading the Word. And this morning, we're going to listen to the next message, and it's training unto godliness, and it's on prayer. And I mentioned last Sunday that this series was years ago where God brought us to a point where we walked through a study called With Christ in the School of Prayer, and that was from Andrew Murray. I got that years ago from listening to this message and then getting on Amazon going, With Christ in the School of Prayer, what's that? And then seeing all these reviews about this this study and of this book, and that's that's how that came about. And then from that, we walked through abiding in, in Christ, abiding in the vine as well. And... God has me back here, and it's so easy. It is so easy for me to just wallow in the reality of, I know where I was years ago, and I know where I'm at right now and what I still battle and struggle with, and I reflect back on the time between now and then, and if the enemy would have his way, he would wallow me in self-defeat because of all the many mistakes I have and all the many missed opportunities I've missed, all the many things, all the many things. But God in his mercy and in his love is reminding us. And we can all right now, if we if we say, hey, is prayer important? I don't think there's anyone in here that would say, no. We know better, don't we? We know prayer is important. Christ modeled that for us in his life here, right? He purposefully took time, got off by himself, and he communed with the Father through prayer. And this, this morning, is going to serve as a stirring, and we need it. I need it. We need to stir one another up to love and good works. We can't love rightly unless we're in the Word, seeing what love truly is as portrayed by the truth of the word. We can't love rightly if we're not praying in communion with the Father and spending time with our Savior because if it's not Him shining in us, 
It's going to be just us. And I don't want that. And I promise you, you don't want that from me. So let this serve as a reminder. If the enemy comes trying to condemn you of your faults, rest in the surety of salvation in Christ alone, by faith alone. Okay? But if the Spirit comes and brings about conviction because of the reality of missed opportunities, don't shun that away. Confess it. Ask that God would help us seek Him diligently. And again, I want to encourage you, family, please take notes, jot down thoughts, things that hit you as you listen to this. And my hope is to to share this series with, with the body that way you have an opportunity to listen, even maybe listen to some before if we're able to continue this for a while. I don't know. But if not, you'll still have it as a resource. I've listened to this years ago. I've listened to it several times now already, and I'm still catching things each time that I, that I listen, okay? Why, why are we listening to this? For God's glory and that we as believers, as sons and daughters of Christ, would be stirred and encouraged to diligently fight the good fight of faith. Okay? So let's pray before we listen. Father, thank you again for this opportunity, God. Thank you for faithful men who have um, diligently sought you, and Lord, that your spirit has led to bring about um, help through this message, Lord. And I do pray that as we um, listen, um, just please protect us from, from distractions, in ourselves, we could be sitting there really looking like we're paying attention and completely miss it, God. Please help us. Help that not to happen this morning. Help us to really listen. Be still and listen. Give us ears to hear this morning your word proclaimed. And God, just help us to help us to want that light, your light, your penetrating light to shine in every crevice of our heart, of our life, and and illuminate everything, God. And if there's things that we got tucked away in the corner that we think are secret, nobody knows, but you know, God. Just shine light. We want to be those who, who are drawn, who want to run to the light, not shy and, and, and step back away from it, God. So just please, I ask that you would bless this message to help your children this day. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Once Jesus was praying alone, while his disciples were present. He did that a lot. We see it several times that his disciples were with him, but yet he was in prayer all by himself. He did it enough that eventually, when he came up from prayer one time, they asked him, would you teach us to pray like that? And he did teach them to pray after they asked that. But he was praying alone this one particular time, and when he'd said amen and rose from his knees, if that was what he was doing at that time, he looked out at his disciples, and the first thing he said was, who do people say that I am? And they began to sort of popcorn answers out all around him. Well, I heard somebody say, they think you're John the Baptist. Some people think you're Elijah. I heard Jeremiah. Somebody told me you were Jeremiah. Well, I heard all kinds of the prophets from our forefathers, from our ancient of times. I've, I've heard you're just prophets that have come back. We've heard all this. And Jesus interrupted their answers as they were going. And he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter is the one who spoke up first. And 
Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus looked back at Peter, who, by the way, his name was still Simon at this point. And Jesus looked at him and said, Blessed are you, Simon, for flesh and blood has not revealed that answer to you. That answer came from my Father in heaven. And then he says this, From now on, you'll no longer be known as Simon. Now you will be known as Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. After he said that, I can kind of imagine a little quietness at that point, can't you? And for Peter, that was a, I call him a step backer. That was a, ooh, now I'm Peter. Um, build my church, gates of hell. It's big. And then Jesus began to tell them, I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and I want you guys to know what's going to happen when I get into Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to be betrayed by the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and the elders and the chief priests. They're all going to betray me. Not only are they going to betray me, but they're going to hand me over to be arrested and I'm going to suffer. They're going to beat me. They're going to beat me senseless. Ultimately, they're going to take me through some courts, kangaroo courts, if you will, but they're going to take me through some trials and then they will execute me on the cross and on the third day I will rise from the dead. The Bible says at that moment, Peter stepped forward, and this is my mind, put his arm around him and kind of stepped him aside a little bit. Because the Bible says that Peter took him aside. And the Bible says Peter began to rebuke him. Can you imagine? And what he said went something like this. You're freaking everybody out right now. <laughs> you, you need to know we're not going to let that happen. It's okay. Chill. There's no way, look at us, there's, tw there's no way we'll let that happen to you. And Jesus pulled away from his arm around his shoulder and said, Get behind me, Satan. For you do not have your mind on the things of God. You have your mind on the things of man. Side note real quick. You ever experienced that? Peter, in a matter of minutes went from right answer, your name's Peter, on this rock I'll build my church, good, to Satan. <laughs> you ever experienced that one? Peter's right in line. Two, three minutes later maybe, just speaking sinful thoughts with his mind on the things of the world and not on God. You ever been there? You ever have a beautiful time in the morning with some worship music? Reading a word, some prayer, maybe a little bit of the daily bread. You just sense his presence. You're trusting him for a great day. And, and then you get in the car. <laughs> and somebody deserved what you called them. <laughs> and then your blood starts to boil. Then you get to work and it turns out to be a stressful day and on and on. You too have went from this close, heart-to-heart -heart sense and feeling with your Lord because of the way you started the day to Satan. You don't have to answer, but you ever experienced that? It's true. 
I, I wanted to talk about that as an aside. I didn't have time to do that, but I wanted to anyway because I wanted you to know, not by way of rationalization and not by way of trying to excuse us, but simply by saying Satan himself will use that to discourage your heart. And you'll hear messages like, see, you're, you're not that good anyway. Look at you. You just did that this morning. It meant nothing. You didn't receive the power you wanted in that, and you're no good, and you're a dirty dog, and God doesn't like you, and you're going to have a bad rest of your day. See, you'll get messages like that, and I wanted to start today on this side note by saying that's not true, because the life the Christian should live is a life of repentance. We don't repent once and then move on about our way. We repent over and over and over, so praise the Lord, your day started that way. And maybe before you get out of the car, you do need to repent and come back. But that's the life of a believer. So I want you to know that. But the reason I started the message this way is because of what Jesus said to Peter is so powerful when he said, you don't have your mind set on the things of God. You have your mind set on the things of man. There probably is no more powerful thing you can do every morning and then probably multiple times throughout the day than to set your mind on the things of God and get it away from the things of this world. It's just probably nothing more powerful that you can do than that. Paul writes to the Colossians, if you've then been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, not things on the earth. Set your mind on things that are above, not things on the earth, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Take your mind, take your heart, take your emotions, take everything about you and put it up there, not down here. Don't think like the world thinks. Don't value what the world values. Don't, listen, interpret life the way the world interprets life. Don't interpret death that way. Don't interpret diagnoses that way. Don't interpret the loss of a job that way. Don't interpret you can't pay your bills that way. Don't set your mind on the things of this world. And man, put your mind with the mind of God in heaven above. I like how one translation um, renders um, what Jesus said when it said, you're not looking at this from the perspective of God. You're looking at it from the perspective of man. That's what Peter did. All he could see was, my buddy's going to get beaten. They're gonna, he thinks they're going to crucify him. I'm not, and then he's, I'm not letting that happen. That's all he could see. He didn't have his mind to where it could say, well, that stinks. But it's the plan of God for me. It's the plan of God for the world. And I said all of that to say this. The most powerful way you set your mind on the things of God is through prayer. It's through prayer. Some of you intelligent ones out there are thinking right now, uh, last week you said the most important thing is the Word of God. And memorizing it and studying it and hearing it and reading it and meditating. You said that was the most important thing. I know. I know. 
I'm glad you caught that because they are inseparably connected. It's like one is the inhale. The, the Word of God is the inhale for the lungs of your soul. And prayer is the exhalation. It's exhaling out to God in communion and prayer. You just don't have one without the other. They are inseparably connected. I'm not going to develop that this morning, but it needs developed. But they are inseparably connected, the two. So I do believe that the Word of God is the most important thing you need in you. And I do think that prayer is the most important thing you do every day to set your mind on the things of God. You say you can't have two the most important things. Yeah, yeah, I can. I just did, didn't I? I just did. And I'm not budging. So today's on prayer. We're talking about, I'm talking, you're listening anyway, and we're interacting during the week, I know. We're thinking about training our lives to be godly. It's based in 1 Timothy 4, where Paul writes, uh, therefore train yourself uh, and to be godly, for bodily training has a little value for this life only, but godliness has value for this life and the next with promises for eternity. There's value in all things. So we're springing off of that and saying, how do I train to be godly? And today we look at prayer as the next spiritual discipline that we're looking at. And I'm following my pattern. You see it on your note sheet. We just want to know, what does the Bible say about prayer, and then how do I train? Getting it really practical again, real practical. After this series is over with, you may never see me that practical again. But we're really practical through this series about how you train. Because now, prayer needs to become a set of barbells for you, a set of dumbbells, a treadmill, running shoes. It's what I train with. It's what I train my soul so what does the Bible say about prayer? Do you know how hard it was for me this week? Do you know how much this book says about prayer? And, and I, I sit down and I'm reading and meditating and looking at all this and I'm thinking, I have to take what the Bible says about prayer and I got like 10 minutes. So obviously, you're not going to hear everything the Bible says, but I want to show you in general and then in specifics what your relationship with a... Now listen, are you with me out there? I want you to see half of you. Are You know I like a hearty yes. Are you out there right now? Yeah? Oh, thank you. Um, I want to show you what your relationship with prayer should be if you're serious about training your soul to be godly. That's what this is. So we're going to go to a, a verse that I think is just a... a, a it's a ten-word verse. Just a general thought of what your relationship should be. Then I'm going to ask a question to that verse, and I'm going to answer it in three ways. So here we go, Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. Paul says in verse number 2, Colossians 4.2, he writes, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Let me walk kind of briskly through that verse and then ask my question. First, continue steadfastly. I actually like how the King James and the NIV puts this a little bit better than the, the ESV that I preach out of. The King James and the NIV, they use the word devote. 
devote yourself to prayer. Right? I like that word. I'm going to spin off that word. And the reason I like that word is it's English history. In other words, the etymology of that word devote. Where does that word come from? All of our English words have come from somewhere. They evolve up to what we have. Well, the word devote has evolved from, listen, has evolved from a Latin word that means to be addicted. Now, we need to stretch our minds a little bit here. Here comes a paradigm shift, if you remember any of that. Here comes a paradigm shift. Because the word addicted to us in our language today has only negative connotations. We, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say we never talk about addiction in a positive way. Because in our culture today, addiction is what somebody becomes dependent upon to make life work. And what they become dependent upon is always self-destructive to themselves and usually to those around them, be it food or sex or drugs or drink or work or whatever else it is that this addiction has enslaved them to. So that's how we think of it. We're going to let's put a positive spin on that word for a minute, can we? Because that, that original Latin word was a positive thing, to be addicted. And that's exactly what the Greek word means that Paul uses here, that the King James says devoted, which means, Paul's writing and saying, be addicted to prayer. Make it the addiction of your life. Become dependent upon addict, uh, a prayer. Make prayer the habitual aspect of your life where you make it work. Right? Addicts, back to the negative connotation, addicts think about their addiction and their substance the minute they wake up. They think about it throughout the day. They have it as the last thought before they go to bed. They are consumed with what they're addicted to. Some in here have been or are addicts and most of us at least know somebody who's addicted to something, and we know that to be true. They're just utterly consumed with what they're addicted to. This is what Paul is teaching in this verse. Be utterly consumed with prayer. To the point, right? Carry it out. Here we go. To the point that if you tried to get away from prayer, you'd have to go to meetings in the evening <laughs> and find a sponsor. And have accountability and not go certain places. I mean, Paul is saying prayer should be to you what Oxycontin is to the drug addict. If you're serious about training with prayer, then it needs to become the dependence in your life. If it's not, then you're just toying with prayer. Lots of people just toy with prayer. God bless his food, and here we go. Boom. Get up in the morning, help me throughout the day. I don't want to say that word anymore. Amen. Pray over lunch. Pray before you go to bed. Sorry about using that word today. Help me have a good night's sleep. Amen. That's toying with prayer. Devotion to prayer is an all-consuming permeation that is a habit, an addiction, a dependence that you can't get away from. You're training with prayer if it becomes that. Okay. Next he says, be devoted to prayer, continue steadfastly in prayer. So what is prayer? 
just like to keep it simple. So many people, I read definitions of prayer over the last couple weeks, and I thought, this is just so complicated. Why do I make it so complicated? I like what Peter Kreef said, though, professor at Boston College. He said, prayer is easier than we think. We want to think it's too hard or too high and holy for us because that gives us an excuse for not doing it. This is false humility. We can all do it, even the most sinful, shallow, silly, and stupid of us. You do not have to master some mystical method. You do not have to master a method at all. Can you talk to a friend? Then you can pray, for he is your friend. And what is it? Excuse me. And that is what prayer is. The single most important piece of advice about prayer that I can give you is begin. That's it. That's how I want us to think about prayer. It's talking with God. It's interacting with God. And, and, and yes, that interaction should include praise and thanksgiving and, and worship. And it should include asking Him what you want to ask Him and begging Him and pouring out your heart and crying. All those things should be included in that. But not as a method. It's just I naturally pray and I want to give Him thanks and I want to say help. So prayer is, is talking with God. And Paul says, get addicted to talking to God. And then he says, being watchful. That word watchful, you know what it literally means? Don't go to sleep. <laughs> Don't have to raise your hand. But you ever go to sleep when you're praying? I know. I know. But there's answers to that. I may come to them a little bit later. You can get up and walk around when you pray, you know. I have something that I kind of spin back and forth in my hand like that when I'm praying, when I know, Ooh, I may go to sleep on this one, but I need to pray. I spin back and forth. Uh, there are things you can do. You're setting yourself up for trouble if it's midnight and you're very tired and you say, I'm, I'm going to go to bed and pray for a while. You're, you're done. <laughs> and then he says, with thanksgiving, Paul tags that on a lot. Just seems like a tag on, doesn't it? Continue steadfastly in prayer. Be watchful in it with thanksgiving. And he does that in several verses, three or four other times in Colossians itself. And the reason I think he adds it the way he does is because we're so apt to ask more than we are to thank. Are you with me, church? We're just so apt to do that. And here's how I interpret it. And some people may say, that sounds just a little legalistic. Well, if you know me, you know that's not true. But the way I take that personally, this is Tony, the way I take that personally is that in our praying, thanksgiving should tip the scales just a little bit over what we're wanting and asking. Just a little. To be more thankful than needy in praying is transformative. I'd recommend bookending praying that way. I do that. Not all the time. Sometimes I forget, but I like to bookend it that way. I just give thanks and praise. I pour out my heart and give him the helps and help, help, what I need, da-da-da. Then I end with more thanksgiving. Just do that. So now let me ask a question to this verse, and that is, well, what does a person devoted to prayer like this look like? What's the Bible say that a person who's addicted to praying does practically and there's three things one matthew six come back there and as you're turning let me give the answer number one if you are devoted to prayer then you have discipline times of praying in your closet 
Matthew chapter 6. In your closet. You say, did he say closet? Closet. Yes, he did. Your clo- where your clothes are. Closet. Matthew 6, verse 6. There's so much said here, but i got to zero in on verse 6. Jesus says, but when you pray... Stop. Look at me for a second. Did you notice what Jesus just did? He just assumed we pray. That's not a command. He said, hey, when you pray... He does that in the Sermon on the Mount. We'll see in a little bit, that he, in a week or two, that he does that with fasting. When you fast, that's just not a safe assumption, that one there, is it? When you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, the King James, I think, gets this right. It says, go into your closet. The Greek word literally means an inner chamber. A place that no one else knows, where no one else will see you. The thought about this, a person who is devoted to prayer, who is addicted to prayer, has disciplined times when they, listen, seclude themselves and pray in secret. They don't tweet, going to pray right now. Be back in a little bit. You don't do that. Don't put it on your Facebook status in my closet. Jesus is saying the kind of prayer that happens so much devoted to it is in secret. They seclude themselves in their closet and pray. Now, obviously, it doesn't have to be your closet. It just needs to be a secluded place. I know lots of people who do use their closets. Just I, I open the door, I get in, I shut the door, and I sit down. And that's where I pray. It's a secluded place. If you're addicted to prayer, and if you're serious about prayer as training for godliness, you will have disciplined times every day where you go to your closet. The second thing is back in 1 Thessalonians 5. You have to come here with me, too. And as you're turning, I'll tell you, a person who is devoted to prayer, number two, has a disciplined spirit of prayer. Has a disciplined spirit of prayer. Go to 1 Thessalonians and look at chapter 5. If you're struggling with memorizing Scripture, here's a good one for you. Chapter 5, verse 17. Pray without ceasing. You can memorize that one probably, can't you? Pray without ceasing. Jesus said, go to your closet and pray. Do it in secret. Seclude yourself. Paul writes here that you need to have a disciplined spirit about prayer. Talk about your spirit. Small s, spirit. And that is a continual mindset of prayer all day long. Did you know you can pray throughout the day? Did you know you can pray while you're talking to somebody else? Anybody do that at all? You know you can. If somebody say, you hand somebody the gospel of John and they say, well, what do you believe about God? Then you say, well, sit down, let me tell you. And you're going, help. You need to give me some answers really quick because... I know, but I don't know how to put it into words. You know, that's, that's praying without ceasing. That's just praying without ceasing. Lord, I'm stressed. I need your help right now. Would you intervene and come? What it is, it's a spirit that just continually expresses dependence upon God. That's the second aspect. If you're serious about praying, if you want to be addicted to praying, you go to your closet in a disciplined way several times a day, and you also maintain a spirit of prayer. Finally, one more. Go to Acts chapter 2. And as you're turning, I'll tell you, a person who's devoted to praying has disciplined times of communal praying. That is praying with other people, other Christian people. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. 
we read about the first church. You ever see a bunch of church signs that says first church of this, first church of that? This really is the first church. Those churches are like the 120,000th first church. Here's the first church, verse 42. And they devoted themselves, there's our word, there's that word, addiction, there's that word, continue steadfastly. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the, what, say it, prayers. Together. The New Testament is chucked full of different admonitions and teachings about praying together. We pray for each other and with each other. We carry each other's burdens and prayers. So there are three. We're to be devoted to prayer, addicted to prayer. We're going to be serious and trained with it. And what does that look like? It means disciplined times of going into the closet for praying. It means having a disciplined spirit to pray all day long, continually, mindset, ceaselessly, or with, without ceasing to pray. And it means having disciplined times of praying with other people. That's what it means. So that's it. That's what the Bible says in a general way about training for prayer. That's it. So now the question is, all right, how do I do that? How do I train? Give me some practicals. Well, I'm going to give you some general tips for training and some specific ones. So here comes some general tips for training. You ready out there? Say yes. You got this? Number one general tip uh, for training with prayer. Number one, plan. Just one word. Plan. I really believe, this could be wrong, but I really believe that everyone who is born again with the Spirit of God in them wants to pray. We're not not praying because we don't want to. Whenever you ask somebody, how's your prayer life? We typically all give the same answer. Not what it should be. I wish it was better. I want to do it more, right? Because we do, we got the Holy Spirit in us, we want to pray. I think, big quotes, baby, right? Big quotes. I think we don't because we don't plan. Don't plan it. Eight, noon, and seven, I go in my closet. Every day, I go in my closet. We'll get to that. But, but plan, your plan may be different than my plan. But you've got to make a plan. Hey, did you notice that in every one of those answers I gave a minute ago, I used the word disciplined? Who noticed that? Say me. Right? I know we don't like that word, but it requires you to discipline yourself in a plan to pray if you're serious about praying and not just going to toy with it. Got to make a plan. Number two, general tip. Be patient and never give up. Okay? Be patient and never give up. You are not going to start tomorrow and master prayer. You might even fall asleep against your Levi's in your closet. But be patient and never give up. Because when you wake up in your closet, you'll probably say, Oh, see, I'm just never going to get this. If you start thinking like that, I want to tell you, those thoughts don't come from heaven. They smell like smoke. Guess where they come from? What you say is, all right, I got five minutes in there. Awesome. Awesome. I'm going to talk more about that in a second. But be patient and don't give up. You know, for somebody who's never jogged, but they want to run a marathon, you know how they start? They walk. They walk. And I knew somebody who did it. 
They were profoundly obese. And you know how they started? They walked to the end of their driveway and back the first day. Then the next day they did it twice. Then she went out to her neighbor's house and came back. That's the way, if you've toyed with prayer all your Christian life, you may have to tomorrow just walk to the end of the driveway. And you will honor your Lord if you do that. That's awesome. The, the, the third tip is this. I want you to know that prayer is a learning process. I sort of just said that, but I want you to know this is something we learn. Prayer we learn. I'll have to tell you that the way that I learned to pray the most, I believe, is by praying with people who knew how to pray. I remember the first man I was around. He was a doctor from India in Dayton, Ohio, named Dr. Paul Dinadelu. And when he prayed, you were enraptured. It was scripture and scripture and scripture and need and scripture and praise and scripture and need and need and praise. And it just went, just flowed. The last one I want to say as far as a general tip is you need to pray regardless of if you feel his presence or not. If you're, if you're a believer, you know, we all have those times where you just, you just know He's present. It says in the scripture, you just know and you say, surely God is among us right now. You just know. Then there's times where you go, where is He? You ever have those times? I just don't feel a thing. I just don't sense it. Well, you pray regardless of if you sense it or not because He promised in His word that He's with you and He'll never leave you, nor will He ever forsake you. So He's there whether you feel it or not. Pray. You get that? Say amen. Now, let me give you some real practical, specific tips. Number one, check your heart. When you go to pray, check your heart. And make sure what you're about to pray is coming from a right motivation. You know what James wrote in chapter 4 of his letter? You pray, you ask, and you don't receive because you're asking from selfish motives. We pray, as Jesus taught in John 14, for the glory of God. We pray with kingdom values. And that leads me to number two really quick, and it's this. Strain your prayers with Jesus' name. Strain your prayers with Jesus' name. You know what a strainer is? Picture maybe like a colander. And whatever you're about to pray... That represents the name of Jesus and strain it through that. And if it comes through, then pray it. If it doesn't, you probably shouldn't. You might say, I want to pray in Jesus' name to win the lottery this week. And you might look at it. It might not come through. Right? And you might pray for healing. You might look, oh, it might not come through. But when you pray and you say, bring me a healing that I might be deeply devoted to you. That in Jesus' name, I might continue to have time to bring glory to you on this earth. Teach me through this disease. And if you choose not to, I will live the remaining days of my life for your glory and your honor. I guarantee you that prayer makes it through. 
You know, praying in Jesus' name is just not something we tag on the end of the prayer, you know. Jesus' name, amen. Just pray it. I pray in Jesus' name for these students this week. I pray in Jesus' name that you'd save people and grant these students courage and words and peace. I pray in Jesus' name. I can pray. I'll guarantee you that's going right through the strainer. Number three, this week, here's I'm giving you a tip. This is just a tip from me. Find a closet and be a Daniel. Find a closet and be a Daniel. doesn't have to be a closet. Find you a secluded place where you know you can go and just pray in secret. Nobody's going to know it. Find that place. And I say be a Daniel because Daniel did that. He found a closet and he prayed three times a day. I think that's probably a good starting point. You say, I am awfully busy for three times a day. Well, listen. Daniel was a cabinet member in the president's cabinet. He had a schedule to keep, and he did it. So I'm just throwing it out there as a place to start, is to find a closet and be a Daniel. Again, you might walk to the end of the driveway tomorrow. You might be a Daniel and find that place and get on your knees three times a day and pray for two minutes. And I honor God. And by the way, when you do that and you keep doing that because it's your discipline plan, you'll find that two minutes isn't enough. You want to stay in your closet more. The French say the appetite grows with eating. I've proven that, but it's true spiritually too. The more you do it, the more your soul just wants it. Here, help me with this. Number four, here's what I'm saying. This is about having a disciplined spirit of praying without ceasing. And here's what I want to say. Be creative and use technology and use paper and use apparel and use other people. I don't know how to put it other than that. And here's what I mean. If you are not a person who just has that mentality all day long of prayer, I always forget and I get to the end of the day and say, I didn't say anything to God all day long. I didn't give him thanks. I didn't ask. If that's true, you can use. We live in a wonderful time of technology. There's a lot of junk about it. There's a lot of good things about it, right? You have a smartphone. You can set those things up to beep and do things. I'll prove it. My wife, I noticed over the last couple weeks, her phone, she's getting text messages all the time. Beep, beep. Finally, I said, who in the world is texting you so much? And she said, I found this app that texts me once an hour to remind me to drink water because I want to drink more water. So it goes, beep, and she drinks her water and goes about her day. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Maybe, maybe there's an app out there for praying. Beep. Oh, yeah, I want to pray a little bit today. I say use paper. You don't have one of those? Post-it notes are great on your desk and the dash of your car. Just prayer, pray pray. I say use apparel. I see people wear these little rubber bracelets, put a rubber band on, whatever. Use other people. Listen, I'll call you three times a day. You call me three times a day. And we're just going to say pray and hang up. You're going to say, hello? I'm going to say pray and hang up. (laughs) Just be creative. But let me tell you something. When you do those kind of things to start, it becomes a part of the fabric of who you are. And all of a sudden, you don't need the beeps anymore. Just tip on how to get going. And the last one I want to give you is this. Seek out and make time to pray with other people. You seek it out. And make time to pray with other people. Are you married? Start with your spouse. You say, that's awkward. We've never done it in 40 years. You can. You're not talking to him anyway. You're talking to God. 
You get that? You know, I mean, we all get self-conscious, right? Where you're praying and then you stop and you go, stupid, I said that stupid, that came out wrong. My gosh, I'll never pray in front of her again. No, no, you're not, you're not. I, I heard a preacher say one time that when he was done shaking hands at the door, a lady said, you know how many grammatical errors you made in your prayer this morning? And he said, I don't care, lady, I wasn't talking to you anyway. <laughs> So pray with your spouse. You got kids in the home still? Pray with your kids. Do pray over dinner. Pray before you go to bed. Find somebody. Lady, find a lady. Guy, find a guy. Brother, sister in Christ. Say, can we just like for 30 minutes meet sometime this week and just pray? If you're in a small group, make prayer the priority of your small group. I'm telling you. Do it at the beginning. And listen, pray more than you talk about praying. Forget taking requests. You got something that you need to pray about? Pray it. And we'll all pray with you. And get together with the church and pray. We do it every Tuesday evening at 7 p.m. in this building, right here in this room. Every Tuesday at 7 p.m., we pray here. Come pray. And I'll just be honest, just like I said, as far as feeling His presence not, sometimes I leave here and think, that just felt flat. That just, that just almost felt like a chore. Other times I leave here with my hair on my arm standing up going, that was just powerful. So come pray, 7 p.m., for an hour. And we don't talk about praying. I watch it closely. 7 p.m. Let's do it. So there's some tips. Now, I got some resources for you. I've been, been going to be faithful about getting as many resources as I can get. They're on the back of your note sheet. Let me go over them quickly and then we're done. Okay? First, let me say again that these are all found on our website. You go to our website and our webmaster, John Nutter, he has designed this in a really great, clear way. You'll find that insignia, that, that little motto, Spiritual Disciplines Resource. Click on that, and you'll be able to find these resources. You put your cursor over them, it'll show you exactly where to get them. It'll take you right there. There are three books I want to recommend, but let me say this first. Give me your eyeballs for a second. You don't learn to pray by reading about it. You know that, right? You learn to pray by what? That's right. I did my best to teach Ashley how to ride a bike. Forget it. When she was a kid, finally I just said, there's your bike, just do it. <laughs> and she did. I lied to my son when we moved to Florida. I lied to him. He was only about four and he couldn't swim. He wore those water wings on his arms. And we got in a pool for the first time and I said, guess what? We live in Florida now. You don't have to use water wings. And he said, we don't. And I said, no. And I threw him in the water. <laughs> He's a great swimmer. That's the way you learn. But there are good books. I know. Uh, there are great books that you can read. Number one, this is a, a classic, With Christ in the School of Prayer by Andrew Murray. It's a great book. The Papa Prayer by Larry Crabb and A Praying Life by Paul Miller. Those are great books. Put your cursor over there and click. It'll take you right where you can get them. Praying the Scriptures. There's nothing more powerful than to pray the Scriptures. I believe with all my heart God loves to hear His Word prayed to Him. There's two great books that I just simply love. One is put together by Ann Graham Lotz. That's Billy's daughter. And it's called Daily Light, and all it is is Scripture. So you open it up for the day, like today's January 29th. You open it up, there's a morning page, and it's just Scripture tagged against Scripture. Scripture, 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 Scripture. Then there's an evening one, just all Scripture. Just read it, just read it, just read it. The other one that I love is called Face to Face, Praying the Scriptures for Intimate Worship, put together by Kenneth Boa. Same type of thing, but what I love about this one is he puts these Scriptures together under headings, like intercession, Scripture, 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 praise, Scripture, 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 and you just pray the Scriptures. 
Probably the best book, though, to pray the scriptures is the Psalms. How can I not recommend that? Articles. There's at least three articles that I thought you'd like. They're short articles. They're PDF documents. You go to our website. I'll take you right there. One, it's called How to Spend an Hour in Prayer. Some good tips. Two, 20 Guidelines for Effective Prayer. I liked it. I liked it. And then last, How to Use Your Bible in Prayer. Really good. I think they're one-page articles, right, Johnny? I don't think they're any more than a page or so, uh, maybe. Um, and then lastly, other people. That's a resource for you. Family members, church family, one-on-one, small groups, all church. We can be resources for each other and pray with each other. Now, I'm two minutes late, but I don't care. i got three minutes left. Can you hang with me? Say yes. Amen. Don't you put your stuff away. Okay? I'll call you out if I see you zipping your Bible. The reason is I want to close with this illustration, and I hope it puts a bow around this whole thing. In John chapter 4, Jesus talks to a Samaritan woman by a well. And he starts talking to her, and he's thirsty, and he asked her for a drink, and it stunned her. And she said, how do you, a Jewish man, talk to me, a Samaritan woman, let alone ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink of water? What's up with that? You guys don't talk to us. And Jesus made this statement. He said to her, if you knew who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would ask him and he would give you living waters. If you knew who it was you were praying to, you would ask him and you would pray. If you knew that this God is for you and not against you, who loves you more than anyone on this earth and wants the best for you, who wants to pour his joy into your heart, his peace into your heart, who wants to maybe not change your circumstances right away, but who wants to make you be able to get up and leave your closet and say, There's joy and peace and nothing's changed. He wants to do that. He wants to make you more like his son. He wants to comfort you. He wants you to feel his arms around you. He wants his scriptures in you. He wants to draw you into Trinitarian being so you share in his nature. If you knew who you were praying to, you'd ask him. And you'd pray. Remember who he is. That's it. Amen.